you are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. Thank you, Amelia. And how's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode 312 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, change of schedule, I was not able to talk to Nash Walker of Locked On Twins today. So instead, I talked to Jesse Goldberg Strassler of the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. And we had such a thrilling conversation. You guys are absolutely going to love Jesse, love everything that he talks about he talks about uh when Vlad was getting you know put on the roster with the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate which was the Lansing Lugnuts and just a bunch of uh just minor league talk. If you like minor league talk, you're going to love this conversation. He is a fountain of knowledge. I learned a ton just listening to him and asking him whatever was on my mind. So uh, this is a fantastic conversation. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Uh, but real quick, before I send it over to that, it is MLB draft season and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of Major League Baseball. Host RM Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to the Locked On MLB will be prospects podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts you can also follow this podcast on the odyssey app or wherever else you like to hear podcasts you can also follow us on social media at locked on a's on twitter and instagram i am at by jason b on twitter and in the spotify green room app and if you have any questions for us please send those to locked on athletics at gmail.com if you have any questions uh please send those in and i'll do a mailbag episode this week or next week whenever the questions come in i will do a mailbag episode for you guys. Uh, but that is all that I got to plug right now. So I'll be back, you know, a little bit later. I'll tell you guys about like rockauto.com and whatnot. But otherwise, here's my conversation with Jesse Goldberg Strassler of the Lansing Lugnuts. He is fantastic. Enjoy. All right. Today, I am joined by the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, the A's new affiliate this season in 2021. Uh, he does a absolutely amazing job broadcasting games on a daily basis. I am joined by Jesse Goldberg Strassler. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for having me on. And I love that you have the A's hat on. I know that you have spent a long time with uh, Lansing being a Blue Jays affiliate, but you're already changing colors. And I thoroughly appreciate that just as an A's fan. <laughs> Fun for me because, so I grew up an enormous Detroit Tigers fan in Maryland and rooting for the Giants because my father grew up a New York Giants fan, but my sister was a Rangers fan, but my brother was a Diamondbacks fan, but my mom was a Mets fan. And then my first affiliate was the Tampa Bay Rays in Montgomery, Alabama. So then I went over to the Blue Jays and it becomes getting to know the people in an organization. And when you get to know good people, it becomes really easy to root for their team. Oh, for sure. That's the thing like that. I 
for me, just covering the A's, I, I've always loved the A's. They're easy for me to cover, but uh, you know, I've had to do Giants games. I'm like, the Giants are cool guys too. I I don't like the Giants, uh, you know, from a fan standpoint, but on a coverage basis, I could cover any team that you threw in front of me as long as there are new stories to tell and the guys are decent and uh, you know they provide a good product on the field. I'm gonna have a great time, you know, covering or watching them. As long as it's not the Yankees or the Duke Blue Devils, we're going to be just fine. <laughs> exactly. No, the, the Yankees, although this weekend, this past weekend, uh, they were beating up on the Houston Astros. And I was like, do we root for them? I guess. And then you get mad about the whole, uh, th- th- their bullpen blowing up in the on Sunday. And I was like, guys, the one time I actually kind of want you to win a game, you just allow six runs. And it, uh, that was maddening. Did not appreciate that whatsoever gives you even more reason to hate them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so my first question was actually going to be, who do you, gr- who did you grow up rooting for? Cause now you're in Lansing and all that stuff. But uh, did you move to Lansing to do the job because you were a Tigers fan or how did that come about? I grew up in Maryland as a shortstop slash second baseman. Okay. And there was no Washington nationals yet. I was born in DC, grew up 15 minutes outside near the university of Maryland. And I decided I wasn't a Baltimore Orioles fan. DC and Baltimore are not the same place. Yes. So I decided Alan Trammell and Sweet Lou Whitaker were the greatest in the entire world. And they were my guys and Fielder and Fryman. That was my team growing up. So yeah, I was an enormous Detroit Tigers fan. But no, I'd never stepped foot into the state of Michigan before I got the job. I was hired at the winter meetings, Vegas, 2008. I'd worked in Indie Ball, Brockton, Massachusetts, 2005, Southern League, Montgomery Biscuits, 607 uh, Frontier League Indie Ball 2008 Windy City and then I got the job with the Lugnuts starting with the 2009 season. That's awesome. That actually leads me right into my next question which was uh you joined in 20 or uh, 2009 and in February of this year the Lugnuts switched affiliates over to the Oakland A's after a whole season off. So what is it like just learning about a, a new team like that and a new affiliate in such a short amount of time and how many times did you watch Moneyball in preparation? Well, I'd already seen plenty of Moneyball, <laughs> so I, I know it, and I've read the book, and I, uh, the most important thing for me is figuring out the organizational depth chart, is figuring out who are the priority prospects in the organization, and where are they, who's above us, who's below us, who's going to be right around us, so contacting different people and saying, what do you know about the guys who everybody knows about, and who does nobody know about that they're going to be put on the map with Lansing? That's one of my favorite things with every single affiliate every year, guys get on the map and we've got the sort of ballpark where if you can hit, we'll blow you up. And if you are a pitcher, uh, there are certain aspects about Lansing where, as we have seen, guys will suddenly become prospects with us. That's always been a joy for me is watching players suddenly establish themselves with us before marching onward to the major leagues. So yes, it was very much cramming and trying to understand what is the depth chart pitcher throughout the org? What is it catcher throughout the org? And trying to figure out where everybody would be level by level as the year started to dawn. And also uh, Vlad Jr. was a nobody before he got to Lansing. Nobody would ever heard of him before. So uh, you you put him on the map, right? I'm not going to say he was a nobody. But, <laughs> but no, he, he really started getting hitting his stride with Lansing, I believe. Well, here's the story. So <laughs> 2015, he's the number one international prospect. Number one. Now, we've got a guy named Timmy LaCastro. Who knows what has ever happened to him, right? Uh, <laughs> Tim LaCastro, we're in a Burger King, 
And I walk in to, cause it's the only local restaurant near the hotel. So that's where you've got to eat. And that's where I was told by him and his teammates, I just got traded to the LA Dodgers for international cap signing space. And everyone's going, what, why? Cause the Blue Jays were making room to sign Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And all of us are going, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Well, fast forward one year later, it's now 2016. And I'm just told, hey, uh, somebody's going to join us to take BP. If anybody asks you, he's nobody. So I was told, if any scouts wonder, if anyone up in the press box, final series of the season, thereabouts, we have this 17-year-old kid just taking BP with us. Braces, big dreadlocks, big, just huggable guy. And I'm just told by everyone, he's going to be really good. And we need to get him the experience of being here, traveling with the team, that kind of thing. And then at the end of the year, we play an exhibition game against Michigan State. That's just something fun that we do to cap off the year. And they send in Bo Bichette to join Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladdy is 17, Bo is 18. Bo has just been drafted out of high school, has just had his appendix burst. And then he's been fine because this is something that a human being can be fine with. Well, <laughs> we hold a home run derby. And 17-year-old Vladdy Jr. is bombing off our video board and Boba Shed is out homering him. And I talk to the Blue Jays people and they say, get ready because they're coming right back to you next year. And yes, Bo the next year batted something like over 400 in the month of June and was sent up. I think he was hitting 384, 390. And Vladdy was hitting balls off video boards then. And they went right from us in 2017 to playing in the Futures game down in Florida to getting the call up and... I mean, you know what's happened since then. So I guess, yeah, they did kind of establish themselves. <laughs> hey, it's me again. And coming up, Jesse is going to tell us the A's prospects that are getting that Lansing rub. But this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years, and RockAuto prices are always reliably low for every customer. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com who are some of the A's guys that are, you know, new to the new to Lansing this year that are kind of putting their own names on the map? Because right now the the Major League Baseball draft is going on. We are now through 10 rounds and they're going to be updating those prospect lists. Who could we be seeing in the, the A's top 30 now after, you know, the first two months of this season? Drew Millis has been lingering around around number 29, number 30. Mm -hmm. Drew Millis is a major league catcher. He has a major league arm. He's a switch hitter. He just needs more reps from the right side. He's a big leaguer and he's a joy. The pitchers that we have, this has been the most profound difference going from Toronto to Oakland. Oakland has so much pitching. 
So right now, just looking at the starting rotation, and I can say there are arms here. We've already seen Jack Weisenberger and Aiden McIntyre as potential major league relief arms getting called up. But watching a Seth Schumann and going, this guy's got a major league arm. Or a Jack Cushing and going, this guy understands how to pitch. Richard Wash, there's a chance here. I wish that Brady Basso didn't get hurt because every scout that I was talking to was raving about Brady Basso. But it's arm after arm after arm that these guys have a chance to pitch in the major leagues. There's just such depth when it comes to pitching. And what is it about like watching this team on a day-to-day basis that like you, I can read the stat lines and, you know, see, you know, I, I'll look at uh, walks and strikeouts and all that stuff on both the hitting and the pitching side. And I'm like, who has a lot of strikeouts per innings pitched and who's not walking a lot of guys? Uh, what is somebody's strikeout rate, you know, at the dish? What are they doing? What is something that you look for that you can see on a day-to-day basis that doesn't necessarily stand out in the stat line? Well, I want to know if somebody makes it look easy. Okay. And The funny thing is, I think that if you know what you're looking for, the stats really do indicate things. I'll give you an example. Innings pitched. Our pitchers are now all going five, six, seven innings uh, when it comes to Jack Cushing. But Reed Burlingmeyer is easily going six innings each time. Um, Seth Schumann's going six innings easily. We just saw Colin Palouse two starts ago go six innings, one unearned run. That lets you know that they are doing so well when it comes to pitch efficiency. And we are right now at this period of time where there's so many more foul balls and everyone in the league has really given this commitment to drawing walks and grinding out the count. And that is what has so impressed me is that these guys are making it work against really talented teams, offensive teams. Cedar Rapids, the Minnesota Twins affiliate can hit. Great Lakes, the Dodgers affiliate can hit. There are major league bats in this offense. And I'm watching our pitchers shut them down and go deep. So I think it's just how easy does it look for them? Is that what scouts are looking for? That when you talk to them is how easy does it look? Or are they looking more at, you know, uh, just this pitch is amazing. We think that we can work with this pitch. What what are you hearing from scouts when they're over there? You know, like that. It was reported that the twins were, you know, over in Lansing, potentially looking at a deal with the A's. What are those kinds of guys saying if they're looking for somebody for like Nelson Cruz or what what are they looking for? They want to see what's big league. Jordan Diaz has a big league bat. Um, Let's see. Dalton Sawyer has a big league breaking ball. That's what they want to see is who's got the big league tools. Who's got the big league off speed, the big league fastball. Colin Palouse has big league stuff. So that's all they're trying to circle is say, in the future, what can I say? Who's got a tool? Michael Goldberg is a great example. Mm-hmm. He's a big league defender. And as he's getting healthy, like, let's look at his speed on the bases. Let's look at his bat because he's got the hit tool. That's what all these guys are, are trying to project is how can he help me at the major league level? Um, so just uh, circling, what are those big league tools that we can project one, two, three years down the road. I mean, I think that they, they've, they've got a shot to make some good moves and there's some decent talent down in Lansing that I think is going to be moving up the prospect list here uh, once things are released in the next couple of weeks. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Jordan Diaz is one. I always 
I don't know how to scout bats. I don't look at, I'm not good at figuring out their Twitch and all that. That's not me. I like looking at uh, pitchers and my fantasy teams are always very good at having good pitchers on them that people have never heard of because I'm like, oh, you can look at the stat line. You get a better idea of whether or not they're working in the zone or whatnot. So that's what I always enjoy. But what are some of the challenges that you face uh, working in the minor leagues is something that always comes to mind uh, because it's not always the most crisp game. So like calling a game, what it, th- there was a game uh, a month ago where Ryan Gridley made his uh, debut on the mound because there was like seven unearned runs in the seventh inning against squash. And that did not look like a fun game, but you guys were having a good time in the booth. Uh, Take me through some of the challenges that you have to face working for a team like Lansing. By the way, Richard Quash, big league slider. Okay, so um, I think it's this, and this is going to relate to you trying to scout these guys' stats. Uh, It is they're searching for consistency. They're with us because they can flash something, but they're not going to do it day in, day out. And so you just don't know day in, day out defensively making the routine plays. If a pitcher is going to go to the mound and he just doesn't have it. Uh, If a guy goes out there and he's not commanding today and you just got to deal with that, you got to live with it. So I think that's something that you learn patience with is understanding the reason why a guy is here is to work with pitching coach Don Schultz, to work with the hitting coach Javier Godard, the assistant hitting coach, Anthony Phillips, to tweak things, improve things. I, I interview a pitcher and I say, let's talk about your stuff. And more often than not, it comes up, the guy's experimenting with a new change of grip or he's working big time. David Leal is working on trying to develop his slider. Because of that, how do we really evaluate these guys? Like if I told you right here, I'm going to evaluate this, but you're telling me, look, I'm, I'm trying out different microphones. So we got a microphone today and tomorrow we're gonna have a different one. And the day after that, Well, that's these guys and that's everything that they're trying. They're just trying things right now. And so it's, how do you evaluate a guy who he's trying a slider today? He'll scrap it tomorrow. He'll try a splitter the next time. They are such works in progress, working their way up towards something great, but they might not have their routine in place. They might be trying to keep things in mind at the plate, but they're not learned habits that it's now muscle memory. It's not yet. The guy this at bat might use the whole field, but the next time up, he rolls it over. So that I think is the big key for us is just keeping patience with them. I think that's something that I try to do in just watching the Oakland A's or, you know, just any baseball that I watch is, yeah, it's a long season. These, the A's have not been playing necessarily well the last month or so, but they're still in it right now. They're doing okay. Uh, They're going to get some guys back from injury, hopefully make a couple of trades. They might be able to hit their stride here pretty quickly, but you see like a Luzardo struggling down in Las Vegas and people are like, what do we even do with Luzardo? I'm like, well, one Vegas is extremely difficult to pitch in. Uh, that entire league is just band boxes where the ball flies. So you see him give up seven. I'm like, all right, but was it like a bloop fly that left the, left the yard? You can't really get that unless you're watching them on a day-to-day basis. And I think that that's something that people kind of miss a little bit in trying to evaluate uh, prospects or, you know, the, the major league team. But that said, I trust you. I trust fans. I actually think that people understand what their team does well, or what their team does poorly. Mm-hmm. You know when you win, why you won. 
you know when you lost, why you lost. By and large, with the Lansing Lugnuts, with the composition of the team, if we win, it's because we got a great start, it's because we got great relief pitching, and it's because, by and large, these three or four hitting candidates stepped up and played well. Shane Selman is blowing up, whomever it might be. And so what you ask of your team and what you ask of your players is consistency in what they do well. And what they don't do well, if it comes to trades, fix that, improve that. If it comes to a specific player, if you know that this third baseman has trouble throwing, if you know that this pitcher has difficulties keeping the ball in the park, you're saying get better with that over the course of the season. Don't keep losing the same way. I think that that's why I would be okay with like a rebuilding team. I know that the A's kind of retool and see what they do every year. And sometimes they'll trade away guys, but they're usually not, you know, as bad as I'm sorry, but like the, the, the Tigers or the Orioles or, you know, the teams that are usually bandied about as the bad teams in baseball right now. And I think that I'd be okay with that. I'm like, I'm looking for, what did I see from, you know, uh, Casey Mize today? What am I getting excited about in this one start? Is he going to have it? Is he going to be that pitcher for the rest of the time? No, I don't think so, but it's a learning process. It's a, like for right now, Matt Chapman, for me, I need him to use the the field a lot more like go the other way. Cause he's trying to pull stuff on the outer half and he's striking out all the time. And if he just goes the other way with those pitches, cause they're low and away, he can get a good swing on those and just drive them over to right field. I think he'd be a much better hitter, but he's trying to pull everything. And these are things that I'm watching. I'm like, hey, if you work on this, then yes, but also does it take away his other power? I don't know. So it's a, I'm not a major league pitching coach, but this is what I, or a hitting coach, but this is just what I see uh, when I'm watching baseball. At the major league level, the point is to win. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so everybody has to understand their role to help the team win. At the minor league level, you can win by guys still developing. Yeah. And that, I think, is what is the biggest joy of me for me watching the Lansing Lugnuts is the clubhouse morale is so great and the guys compete so well as a unit. It is so easy to get out of that as all the prospects try to individually pursue their path. But I agree with you. My favorite football team in the NFL just brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starter. He's not the long-term answer, (laughs) but yes, you want to see, like, take the steps in the right direction, improve what everybody understands that you need to improve. And if you keep doing that, we'll get wherever that all of us want to go. Exactly. Hey, it's me again. And Jesse is about to expel all of his secrets about how to keep some names straight. And also we're talking about the rule changes that have happened in minor league baseball this season and how that has impacted uh, stolen bases and all that stuff. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up and that's just like the first couple of minutes that you're going to hear out of the break, but there's so much good stuff coming up in this interview. But I also got to tell you guys about bet online because they are the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action based season and is in full swing and you can track all of the action at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all of your sporting needs including baseball basketball the nfl and all of your ufc or mma action i was just taking a look over at their futures bets and they have chris bassett at plus 2800 to win the al say young and then they also have sean Manaya at plus 5000 garrett cole's the projected winner right now with a minus 110 line but they They've got the A's 
in contention for some awards later on. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams continue making their pushes towards the postseason. So head on over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. And that is why everybody says that Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Before I send it back to my conversation with Jesse Goldberg Strassler, remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you guys have any questions, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So here it is, the rest of my conversation with Jesse Goldberg Strassler, the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. I do have one question for you, and that is, uh, well, I'm going to, I have an actual Max Schumann question here in just one sec, but there is a Selman and two Schumans on this team. How do you pronounce all of them correctly every time? Do you ever uh, slip up and like, oh, that was the wrong guy or give the one of the Schumans the wrong uh, first name? W- what is, do you have a trick? <laughs> and managed by Steinman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so many no, similarly I, sounding names on this roster. <laughs> I do screw up but I screw up when I take my brain off what my mouth is saying. So for example, if I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next, or I'm cutting video highlights for Twitter, uh, while Twitter, I don't know why I said it. <laughs> cutting video no, highlights that, for That's the proper media. pronunciation. <laughs> I'm cutting highlights for social media while broadcasting. I'm checking email. I'm making sure to adjust our, our sound. There's all sorts of different things that come up. I need to make sure that my head is locked in when it comes to saying guys' names, when it comes to describing things. It is so easy to misspeak. It is so easy to sprain your tongue. So yes, every now and then I do stumble over it, but I feel like I'm human. And if I've built that connection and that trust with my listener, my listener doesn't say, ah, Jesse screwed up. They go, okay, but we're listening. We understand. It's it's all about just trying to do the game justice, trying to do the players justice. So I think that the audience cares more that I can say, here's what he thinks, here's what's happening, here's what he wants to do right now. And these names are tough. Uh, the ground ball <laughs> past Schumann, right to Schumann. Schumann to Schumann, <laughs> Selman. And I will literally, I will look down just to make sure, fly ball the left field, and I will ensure that I say Selman rather than Schumann. If Schumann's on the mound throwing it and Schumann's rushing out to left, but Selman calls him off. Yeah, get it right. That is rough. Play by play, not my thing. Talking into a microphone where I can hit pause, that is great for me. I am happy with that aspect of my job. It's Um, all muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I even messed up uh, both the mats. I Chapman and Olsen, I'll be talking about one. And then I switch topics. I'm like, did I let them know that I was switching over to Olsen on this one? Ooh, let's re- let's listen to that one back. <laughs> Just to make I'm sure impre- that they know. I'm impressed that you are able to be aware of that because I have found it's really difficult to be self-aware. I will say the wrong thing and I will not catch it until I listen back to the broadcast the next day. I do it every now and then we're all listening back. I'm like, Ooh, that wasn't right. That's not what I meant. Oh, yeah. but, but it's something like a, a stat or something. It's not like it was a bad take, not like a Stephen A. Smith today or any of that. So. I think that people forgive you for talking mistakes. And if I listen to a major league broadcast and somebody says the wrong thing, trips over the right wrong thing, whatever it might be, I go, 
great. That person's human. I really appreciate people being yeah. human. It's nice, right? <laughs> so here is my Max Schumann question. He has 34 stolen bases in like, what have you guys played? Like 54 games? Something like 60. That? 60 games. Is that all? I mean, I know that he had stolen some bases before in the minors and whatnot, but th this is a new career high for him already in two months of a season, two and a half months of a season. Is this because of the new uh, requirement that pitchers have to step off to throw over to first base? Yes. If you look at the stolen base leaders in the minor leagues, they are all in the high essential. <laughs> it's, it's all our circuit. It's Delvin Zinn with South Bend. It's Howell with Wisconsin. So I do think that the step-off rule matters. And oh, by the way, the step-off rule is going away as of Tuesday, July the 13th. No. They are recipients. Yeah. What, what, Gone. Was it too, is it just to get a, a sense of uh, when you're doing science, getting a control uh, group and then doing the other one and seeing what, you know, the, uh, the stolen bases are like without the rule? Yes. Although because they've put in experimental rules in every single league, I don't think that they've got a control group. <laughs> I don't think that they understand the whole purpose of when you switch up the variables, how you actually experiment. But I think it's partly that rule. I think it's partly he knows when to go. He gets great jumps. He understands how to use his speed. He scouts the pitcher. He scouts the catcher. He's really smart. He's a natural base stealing threat. And I don't. I, I think it's about just understanding how to pair speed and aggressiveness. I think that he has put himself on the map as a guy who's so valuable in this organization. He's played shortstop the majority of the season for us. He's had two starts at second base with uh, earlier in the minor leagues, a couple of years ago, you look at what he did for Beloit. He was their everyday first baseman. He's played six positions in the minor leagues. Mm -hmm. He can bat wherever you need him to bat in the order, bottom of the order, top of the order. He's hit five home runs. Uh, he leads the league in getting hit by pitches. He draws walks. He is an expert at fouling pitches away and having a longer plate appearance to aid the guy behind him. I think that he's an ideal teammate in every facet. I like it. I mean, I, it's so hard just to scouting stat lines in minor league baseball. And you're like, all right, so how do they do against the rest of the league and all that stuff? But uh, I appreciate, you know, all that. I'm excited about most of the guys on this roster and they don't always all perform on a given day. Cause you know, consistency is what you're going for right now, but you see like Jordan Diaz and he hits a home run. I'm like, yeah, he's still got it. <laughs> and I get very excited about that for no apparent reason. He's had it for a while. And I think that his plate appearances are getting better and better. His two strike approach is locked in right now. So you are going to see a lot more coming from him because his at-bats are better right now than they were earlier in the season. And that's what I'm seeing from a lot of the Lansing Lugnuts is at the start of the year, guys would give away at-bats. Nobody is giving away at-bats right now. I've been really impressed with Diaz. He just had a 107-mile-an-hour ground out the other day where he smashed it and the second baseman made a fine play. Shane Selman, I don't think people understand how strong he is. He's regularly hitting 420-foot home runs. And he was a non-prospect coming into this year who, when I sat down with the hitting coach, I said, who are you really excited about? Diaz, Selman. So this is the fun part of it is we're seeing guys who, after the hiatus from last year, so the athletics, by and large, did not see how they put the work in. And then the, the players who never played in the minor leagues, a William Simonite or a Drew Millis or a Patrick McCall, who this is their pro debut, these are just getting to understand their game. 
So the Oakland Athletics don't truly understand who they are yet. These are not the sorts of players who you you bring it back a couple of years ago. And if a guy's in high A, generally he's been in the organization two, three years, and they understand the guy's ceiling. I think that our guys' ceilings are still relatively undetermined, and that's very exciting. Like a Jake Suttleson ceiling is unknown. It's his first professional season. They're still trying to figure out who he is, and he's already up in double A. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> the the way that they just eliminated minor league teams and re redid everything has made everything so much more unknown just in general right now, especially with the last season uh, not being played whatsoever. And then guys making their debuts. It's, it's the wild West this year. Nobody knows what's going on. And then we're having the, the major league baseball draft. And do you follow the draft by chance? I, I know that we were both tweeting about it a whole bunch, but do you watch a lot of college baseball? No, I watch zero <laughs> college baseball. I don't, but I pay attention to every single draft pick because I can say, what are they prioritizing? So for example, with the athletics, I can say, all right, after we take a high ceiling shortstop who has tools that are above average across the board, this is a guy to dream on and to work with, with your development staff. Here's college guy, college guy, college guy, just like what we see with the lug nuts. We've got big college pitchers, big guys with velocity and stuff. We've got defense guys, guys who can play, whether it's infield or catcher or outfield, who they bring a glove to the table. Their defense tool is already plus and the character is plus. And here's what else that they can do. They can grind out at bats. They come from big college programs. They've got power that you can dream on. So I was watching every single pick and going, why did they take this guy? Where is this guy going to go? What's the reason for this pick? How does he slot in? What is the plan? Because it's so much fun seeing this compared to coming from the Blue Jays organization. The Blue Jays just took nonstop pitchers. <laughs> this, and I, I said this earlier, the athletics organization compared to the Blue Jays, I love being with Toronto. Toronto, while we were there in 2019, the last year that we were affiliated, there were not too many starters. So we had a lot of relievers as our starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. And the commitment that the A's have to having such depth in their pitching and starting pitching and really focusing on that and focusing on who are your relievers and how are we going to use them to make sure that we're grooming them for the next level. I went into this draft going, all right, they need bats and they need more polished bats here at the lower level. Let's see what they do. And in the top 10 rounds, there they are. So this was a joy for me to watch this draft. Is there anybody that you think you might be able to get a crack at uh, this coming season? I know that they have, you know, other leagues that are opening up and all that stuff and they're still stocked in below you guys now, but is there a, somebody that was drafted that you think may be able to get to Lansing in this season that you're excited about? Yes, because Stockton's so young. Stockton is such a young team where those guys need reps and they need time. You cannot take away their at-bats. Mm -hmm. You need to continue to watch a Poisson, a Buelvas, a Perez. Those guys need to continue to grow and develop. So because you don't want to take away time from them, I see college guys that got drafted, once they see them in the ACL, which we'll, we won't <laughs> talk about those. It, I could easily see the second rounder from Virginia being sent right to us and saying, hey, here he is, let's plug him right in. Mm -hmm. I could see, uh, and we'll see where Tyler Soderstrom goes, but they just took a couple of catchers. I could see Millis getting moved up and Soderstrom getting moved up mm -hmm. to us. But 
you've got two veteran catchers that you just took. So I could see McGuire going to Stockton. And if uh, the Vanderbilt catcher is ready for us, I could see him coming in. It all depends upon their, their readiness level. But here is, I think, the big key. Low A and high A are not this year what they were in the past. Mm -hmm. What they were in the past, because you had short season ball, by and large, you could put college guys with that advanced short season team right after they got drafted. Or you could put them with that low A team and they'd be right in. This year, because of the elimination of everybody but the complex team and then these four levels, low A is basically short season ball. Um, it is very young. It is very raw. These guys all need time. High A, therefore, became low A ball. We had nine guys making their pro debuts with us. That's unusual. That does not happen in, let's say, 2019 in high A. You're not going to throw a guy right in and push him into the deep end and say, William Simonite, figure out high A. So because the levels have changed in in their quality level, in their skill level, in their experience level, I think it's more likely that the athletics could, once they bring these guys in, once they check them out, see what they look like, take any one, two, three of these college guys that they've drafted today and say, I think that you are ready for Lansing. I think that CJ Rodriguez, the catcher from uh, Vanderbilt, I'm, I'm intrigued by him just because only knowing nothing about him other than what I've read and all that, but he was just in the college world series. That is a, a kind of experience that you, I think, want in your organization. And you, you've mentioned Drew Mellis uh, a couple of times, you know, maybe getting promoted. And I feel like they, they've got some decent, some decent uh, depth at catcher. They got Sean Murphy, who's been solid. Uh, and then down in double A, they got Kyle McCann, who's more of a bat first guy, but if he can work on his catching, maybe he could be uh, one of those guys as well. Uh, you got Soderstrom down below uh, right now in Stockton. I think that this is the time of year when you start bringing guys up, but they've got some decent catching prospects already. I think that somebody's going to get moved in a deal if the A's are going to go make a move right now. And I think that that could be why CJ Rodriguez was selected because, and also uh, the the first round pick that I, uh, Max Muncy. Why, why couldn't I remember Max Muncy? Max Muncy, because uh, they have three very good talented shortstops in double uh, A Midland already. So it feels like they're kind of supplementing some some places where they may be making trades from in their depth in the organization is how I'm taking these draft picks. <laughs> they just kept on drafting infielders. 10th uh, rounder, let's take Winkler, the shortstop out of San Francisco. I'll give you a positive and negative. A negative is I don't trust guys the summer that they get drafted because they're tired. Yeah. So I just, I don't trust that what we see is who they actually are. I've seen way too many players come in that summer that they got drafted and that's, that isn't them. I'll give you an example. Kendall Graveman now in the majors with the Mariners, he got drafted by the blue Jays. They sent him right to Lansing and he was throwing 85, 86 for his fastball. And then he came back to Lansing the very next year and suddenly this guy has an arm, and later on that year, he made the major leagues. So I worry about what is the mileage on these guys, and just do they need to sleep for a full week before they return to baseball? But on the other hand, our minor league season this year is going through September the 19th. Uh, injuries are a real thing. Repetitive stress injuries, fatigue injuries. What the system needs right now is great, fresh, energetic bodies. Guys who come in with terrific energy, terrific teammates, talent, 
and that they come in with this enthusiasm to bolster these affiliates. And I think that's exactly what the draft provides, which is why I get so pumped about them, why I love reading about every single bio and going, tell me about these guys. I contacted my friend Alexis Brodnicki, who covers all of Canadian baseball, to say, tell me about Denzel Clark. And she he raved seems about amazing. It. I want to know so much about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was like, he is the best person, which let me tell you, the people that we have in Lansing, these players, I, I'm so high on who each of them is as a human being. It's really been a joy. I feel like the A's usually don't have a bunch of jerks on their team for some, and there, a lot of them aren't on social media or anything, but you just get the sense that there's a bunch of just nice people on this team. And so that makes me happy. It's so important to have a clubhouse that plays cohesively mm. and that's what I've seen here in Lansing. That, to my mind, is if you really want to get the most out of a guy in the minor leagues, it's so important to have that guy playing for their teammates and have the teammates playing for that guy. Because the roller coasters are legit. And if he knows that his teammates are there to pick him up, it's so important. Elvis Peralta Jr. is a great example of this as an energy teammate guy who's there just to help lift the spirits of people wherever he goes. Aiden McIntyre was a joy to have in the Lansing Lugnuts bullpen. So I really appreciate that about the athletics organization. I have just one more actual question and then one maybe we'll see. Uh, a lot of A's fans know the name Lazaro Armenteros, Lazarito, and he had done really, really well in Stockton. He had been like at, he'd been hitting the best that he had ever hit in the majors uh, or in uh, the, the minor league system. And his BABIP was at like 700 and something like that. So he was obviously getting very, very lucky. He has then uh, been, you know, moved over to Lansing. He is crashed down uh, to earth a little bit. He's striking out at a 40% clip. I believe my main question for him is what are pitchers doing to strike him out? Is he swinging at anything or can he not hit like a breaking ball? What, what, what is the scouting report on Lazarito? I think that his plan that he's taking up to home plate when he first joined us, it seemed that he was not expecting whatever pitch they threw. So if they threw that fastball, that took him by surprise. If they threw that curve, that changeup, that took him by surprise. So he got into a funk and the funk hit his head. It was so easy for him to hit in Stockton. It was not easy for him to hit in the high A central. His plate appearances recently have been getting better and better. His two strike approach has been getting better. And every now and then there has been an at bat where you just go, that was a rough at bat for him, but he's using the uh, right side a lot more. He's using the entire field a lot more. Um, that to my mind has been promising that he has been taking strides very subtly, but consistently day by day, week by week, where it hasn't shown up necessarily in extra base hits, but it shows up in singles that suddenly there's a line drive here. There's a line drive there. When he gets on pace, his speed is such a terror. That, to my mind, is what I watch for is to say, is the tool still present? And the tools are still present for him. He still hits the ball over 410, 420 feet. He can still hit it out to center. He can hit it out to left, hit it out to right. He can still steal a base anytime that he wants. He can play great defense. He's made some phenomenal catches this year. So because the tools are present, I want to continue to see Will the plate appearances continue to get better and better? But from what I've seen, um, things are trending subtly in a good direction for him, in a positive direction as this year has gone on.
I mean, that's good. And he's rule five eligible. He was this past off season. He will be again. So it's going to be interesting. This is a big last few months of the season to see if he's going to be added to the 40 man roster and see if he's going to be with the A's long-term. He was not selected in the last rule five pick or uh, last rule five draft. So it'll be interesting to see if teams want to take that chance because he has tools to dream on. It's just a matter of how much time and energy do you want to spend trying to get him to realize those for other teams and for the A's, uh, you know, keeping him on the roster, I guess. He's not a major leaguer next year. Uh, He's not a major leaguer in two years. He's, he just, if you believe in him, whatever organization you are, Oakland or another organization, you have to commit years to him because he's still that far away. So my last question, and I don't know if you have an answer to this, but often there is a rehab appearance that a player will make when they're hurt from the big league team. Who has been your most favorite uh, big leaguer that has come down to Lansing on a rehab assignment that you have had the joy of interacting with or just seeing live in Lansing? Marcus Stroman. (laughs) <laughs> Marcus Stroman came in and uh, my favorite thing about his appearance was that he, he let the teammates know, the Lugnuts players know that they had to work harder and he let them know that in this sense. He showed up on a night uh, that let's say it was the day before, two days before he was scheduled to rehab. The next day he was in at six, seven in the morning working out. And he told the guys, hey, I'll see you six, seven in the morning to work out. So guy showed up, here we go. Let's work out with Marcus Stroman. This is great. He seems like a super nice dude. All right, then he makes his rehab appearance. And after the appearance that night, he tells the guys, all right, six, seven in the morning, who's with me? And the guys are like, what, again? <laughs> Uh, we just did that. Now I get to sleep. Like I might do that. I don't know. Once a week, once a month. And he told them, no, if you, if you want to make the major leagues, you have to put in a regular routine of work. You actually have to keep on keeping on day after day, day after day, understand work with your strength and conditioning guy, understand what the regimen is and do it. Because if you don't, How do you expect to get better? And the team believed, and this is something that I've seen guys in the minor leagues before, believe that in general, major league guys have natural skills and either you have it or you don't. And they'll look around at their teammates in the clubhouse and they'll be like, that guy's got it. That guy doesn't. And he let them know, no, you need to work and you can work your way out of the major leagues. That's something that I've always appreciated is, Anytime somebody looks at somebody with great talent and then sees the work that they put in. And it's sometimes shared in these rave articles about this player is putting in so much time in the cage and look how good they are. This player is working. Quite often their work ethic is going hand in hand with their talent to help enhance the other one. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my favorite thing about that Stroman appearance. And that also, the, the second thing about Stroman rehabbing with us was his press conference afterward where the media that came down from Toronto afterwards said, we have never seen him so happy, so relaxed because things are so tense in a major league clubhouse. There's just a different feel when meeting with the media and the minor leagues, it just isn't that same way. That there's just this feeling, even if things go wrong, you can say, I'm doing the right things. I'm moving in the right direction. There are good things ahead for me. So 
by and large, if the manager is keeping a good atmosphere, that pervades everything and it lifts everybody up. That's something that I remember is, man, things are so much happier here than they are in Toronto. <laughs> uh, I think that he won me over. Marcus Stroman won me over. I was uh, covering a game for the Giants a uh, few years ago, and he left the series after his start to go graduate from Duke. And I thought that that was the coolest thing in the middle of the season. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I'm getting my, my degree. I forget what it was in, but uh, some great degree from Duke. And I was like, wow, he's, he's, he's okay. Good for him. Look at him go. So he's putting in that work for himself too, even in other facets of his life. And that's really cool. So, but uh, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, where can people find you on social media or anything else you want to plug? On the Twitter. Um, on the Twitter. <laughs> at, so you can find me on Twitter or Instagram, jgoldstress, J-G-O-L-D-S-T-R-A-S-S. But if you go to Instagram, you'll just see pictures of baby. Uh, the, <laughs> there, there will not be too much Lansing Lugnut stuff. So yes, on, on, uh, on Twitter, at jgoldstress. If you're interested in getting my book, The Baseball Thesaurus, that's available through August Publications. And then listen into the broadcast via lansinglugnuts.com. Sounds good. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Again, a huge thank you to Jesse for stopping by. He was fantastic uh, to listen to and just learn from. I had a great time talking to him, but uh, that is all that I got for you guys today. Hopefully tomorrow will be the episode that I have with Nash Walker of Locked On Twins talking about the first half of the season and picking some breakout picks for the second half. So that's what we, it's, co it's coming at some point. That's all that I can tell you. It's happening at some point because I will guilt trip him into coming on this podcast if I have to do it. But uh, that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.